This is Shifting Our Schools episode 100, Finding Your Sparks. And so one of the very first things that I did last year was to put together an innovation team. I call them spark starters um, from each, <laughs> each school. <laughs> and, and what I was really going for with the spark starter was like, you know, I, I just need representatives from each school that will spark joy, innovation. And, and I, I knew that I didn't necessarily need the most techie teachers. I needed teachers who were, who were passionate, innovators, risk takers, encouragers, like sunshine spreaders, like spreading positivity. Because yeah. I feel that if I could get yeah. those, the right people on the team, yeah. then I can teach them the tech and the tools and, and we can just, you know, spark and joy and innovations. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. Well, welcome back to Shifting Our Schools. Hopefully you enjoyed that little soundbite of the conversation we have today with Tisha Richmond. Uh, so great to have her back on this show. This being our 100th episode of Shifting Our Schools. Crazy to think we've dropped our first episode in January of 2008 with my co-host for the first 30 plus episodes being David Carpenter. I can't thank David enough for starting Shifting Our Schools with me. We started this podcast as a way for us to grow and learn from each other as well as from others. So many great conversations over the years with educators from around the globe who are all learning from each other to make school the very best it can be for students. We still believe today that as society changes, we must shift our schools to keep them relevant for today's learners. And so thank you for those that have been around for all 100 episodes. Some really great stuff. I was uh, took some time today to dig back into the archives. I went back and listened to episode one uh, as, as uh, David and I kind of laid out our plan for this. Uh, we were live streaming at the time on Ustream TV. Uh, and it really was, or it really was just um, starting the podcast was a way for us to learn from each other. I was in Shanghai at the time and uh, David was in Taipei at the time time and we just really wanted to learn from each other and so we started having these weekly conversations that then of course we just recorded and turned into a podcast so uh, so much learning along the way and it's just been a fantastic part of my own uh, professional learning professional growth uh, and that's really what today's episode is, which I think brings it full circle. Is I, I couldn't have asked for a better conversation for our 100th episode than to have Chris Butler and Tisha Richmond uh, to learn from and bounce some ideas off of. Uh, we talk a lot in this episode about supporting teachers and the power of a personal learning network or a PLN. So this week's question that you can answer and be put in the drawing for this month's free book, the book Classroom Management in a Digital Age by Patrick Green and Heather Dowd, who we were going to have on a podcast here in, in the near future. But here, here's this week's question. And the question is, how do you use your personal learning network or your PLN, and how do you help other educators understand the true power of networked learning through a personal learning network? And I think you'll hear, we kind of struggle with this in the, in the podcast as well, which is why I brought this question out to you. So as you're listening to this episode, you'll get some great tips and tricks from uh, Tisha and from Chris, who are both in coaching roles. And uh, I just last week, I was at a school that they were asking me to help teachers 
understand the power of, of personal learning networks. And it's really, I find it difficult um, because I feel like you just got to be in it. You got to be in it to, to understand it. And so uh, I just really want to hear from you. What are ways that you help support this? So remember, you can head over to sospodcast.org and click on Flipgrid at the top of the website there or download the Flipgrid app on your mobile device and enter the code SOSPodcast. Each question you answer through the month of November enters you to win that free copy of Classroom Management in the Digital Age by Patrick Green and Heather Dowd. We're excited to hear from you on how you use your PLN, whether that's through engaging with podcasts like this one or on Twitter or on a host of other places you can find educators learning together. So leave us a quick video and grow your own personal learning network by becoming an active member of ours. This week, Chris and I catch up with Tisha Richmond, author of Making Learning Magical, Transforming Your Teaching and Create Unforgettable Experiences in Your Classroom. My first conversation with Tisha is just as good as this one. I had Tisha on episode 56, where she talked about gamifying her culinary classroom. Since then, she's transitioned into a new coaching role in her district. She's done a TED Talk at ISTE and continues to think about how she supports other teachers in her district. This episode is full of a ton of takeaways. Make sure to check out the show notes to get links to everything we talk about in this, our 100th episode of Shifting Our Schools. And with that, on with the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I'm so excited that we got the West Coast crew tonight. This is going to be nice. Uh, <laughs> I love we got, uh, Tish and Chris are here. Uh, to have another great conversation. I need to go back and look because Tish, you've been on the podcast already once before and it was such a fantastic conversation. Um, uh, so I look forward to, uh, uh, to, to another great one tonight. Chris, how are you doing down in, uh, down in Hood River? And you got to, for those of you, we don't show video, but Chris has like got his okay. winter jacket on. He's got his <laughs> stocking cap on. I mean. It's chilly yeah. here in Hood River right now. Yeah. 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 So how's it going, yeah. Chris? Yeah. I'm I'm used to the dry cold in Tri Cities. It's all, all good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm doing well. Uh, had a good day at work today. We uh, we are working on building a um, so the tech specials for the elementary kids. Um, we have librarian um, assistants that run those for us, and the kids get to do technology about every five six days. Um, or so, um, and we haven't had a really good program before. So a partner and I are building this program. We want to get kids doing more coding and robots mm -hmm. and green screen and creation things. So we've been working on that. So we we were we're doing some green screen recording for some um, for some examples and playing oh, with robots and coding. And just, I'm just playing. It's super fun. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> what a great like, day! Oh, I'm putting together a plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. good. Very yeah, good. great. Well, Tish, nice to have you back. Uh, Thank you. It's great to be here. Honored yeah. to be on your show. And uh, I just looked it up. It was episode 56. Oh. 56 was the last episode you were on. <laughs> and uh, this will actually be episode 100 of Shifting Our Schools, which is crazy. Wow. Nice. Uh, I know. I know. So it's been fun to, <laughs> I've kind of been going back through the archives when we started this thing. 
we took a, a long hiatus there, but we actually started the podcast in 2007. Uh, okay. Was uh, off doing the world for a while and wow. uh, we started the second. Yeah, so it was kind of fun. This will be uh, episode 100. So that is super cool. What well, I know. More special. I, know. I feel super honored. I already <laughs> yeah, that's why we had to have the. That's why we had the West Coast team on. So, That's well, fantastic. why don't you give us uh, for those that didn't listen to episode fifty-six? Why don't you yeah. give us a little introduction um, of where you are? And I know um, when we talked to you, I, I think last time I talked to you, you were transitioning into this role. But you I were, think so. You were still. You were still. I. Um, uh, in the classroom. Yeah, in the classroom. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am in Medford, Oregon, the southern part of the state. And I have been a family and consumer science CTE teacher for about 24 years, teaching culinary arts for most of those years, a few years interior design. And uh, like you mentioned, I transitioned to a tech integration specialist role at the beginning of last year. And such a shift for me because, I mean, my entire career since I graduated from college, I was in the classroom and that's yeah. all I knew. Uh, but I have definitely um, become passionate over the last five years with tech integration and it just made such a transformation in my own classroom, my own teaching. Really, you know, five years ago, I was a teacher that was ready to leave education. I was pretty burnt out and yeah. I just began this incredible journey of really transforming the way that I looked at teaching in my classroom. And so now to be in this role and to be able to share that passion and really support teachers K through 12 in bringing new innovative ideas and tech into classrooms to really reach our 21st century learners. It's been, it's been so fun. I, I really loved the new challenge. That's awesome. And uh, That's cool. the last, the last time we talked episode 56 was all about gamifying, uh, game of the gamification of learning. When we were talking about all these amazing games that you set up in your <laughs> culinary classroom. So you, people need to go back and listen to it. It's like one of my favorite episodes uh, ever where we just really dug into um, the gamification that you were doing with your students at the time in your yeah. new role. I think one of the first questions I have in your new role, um, are you able to bring any of that into your coaching role? Like, is there, is, yeah. is there a way to gamify professional development for teachers or support in a coaching role? I mean, both you and Chris yeah. are active coaches now. I'm just wondering, has any of that transitioned for you? Absolutely. So, so just to kind of give you a little, um, background of this role. This was the first time our district really had a tech integration specialist. So I was kind of just definitely um, going into uncharted territory and uncharted waters with this. And so one of the very first things that I did last year was to put together an innovation team. I call them spark starters um, from each, <laughs> each school. <laughs> and, and what I was really going for with the spark starter was like, you know, I, I just need representatives from each school that will spark joy innovation and and I, I knew that I didn't necessarily need the most techie teachers. I needed teachers who were who were passionate, innovators, risk takers, encouragers, like sunshine spreaders, like spreading positivity. Because yeah. I feel that if I could get yeah. those the right people on the team, yeah. then I can teach them the tech and the tools and, and we can just, you know, spark and joy and innovation. So I I love that so many times uh, we think we need the techie teachers to lead the yeah. way. And yeah. I find in schools where we really are able to drive change, it's having the right with, you know, we say having the right people on the bus. 
And it is. It's the people who have a a, a strong foundation in pedagogy. They are still excited about learning, not that that everybody isn't, but, you know, they're really excited about being a learner themselves. Uh, And they even, I even look for people, for better or for worse, that have social capital within the schools. Absolutely. You you have to have your school-based leaders because when they come back from a training with you and going like, oh my gosh, that's where you're going to light a spark because they've already built some of that social capital at their school. So it's not always your techiest people that you want to create one of those. I love that just the, yeah. the lens that you look through. How long did, did you already know those people like being the first time the coaching room, or did you have to no. spend some time going to schools and kind of feeling it out? And- no, you know, the craziest thing. So I, I accepted this position. I think it was May, um, a year and a little bit, a year and a half ago. And one of the very first things that I did when I accepted the position was I met with my boss and I just said, I, I, me- I remember I met her at Starbucks and I had like a full, like, like Google slide, like presentation, like a Ted talk. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This is what I wanted. This is like <laughs> my vision of what I want to do. And so I just started sharing with her and I said, I just envision like in this role, I need to be able to have a team that represents each school. Cause there's no way that, I mean, one person yeah. is going to really be able to truly support that many schools. And so I asked her if I could speak at the ad council meeting that was coming up at the beginning of June with all of the principals from the entire oh, cool. district. And I kind of gave that same TED talk like to the principals and kind of shared my vision. And I said, I need a team of spark starters. And I, I, I said exactly what I said to you. I need sunshine spreaders, encouragers, innovators, risk takers. And I, ha- I gave them a little slip of paper because I knew that I, they were, you know, just to save time. I knew they weren't going to be able to, right. not all of them are very techy. So I did that and I had them write down three spark starters that they would recommend from their school. And so I sent out an email. I had, I created like a very visually appealing, like Canva infographic of of an invitation to them. I sent it out and then I, I received some responses right away, but whoever I didn't hear back from August 1st, I made personal phone calls to everybody that I invited. And I just said, you know, you were selected as this person who blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, you like, right. yeah, that's kind of what I did. I'm like, that, you know, I was exactly the attitude yeah. that I had. And it was funny. I would say probably of all of those phone calls, 90% of them said yes. Awesome. And I really think it was just because I reached out personally, yeah. shared with them a little bit more about what this was all about. And, um, and so then when we started the school year in that first week uh, in, in service, I kind of had a meet and greet time with all of the team. And then from there on out, from September through the end of the year, every single month we had an innovation like gathering where um, we, you know, sometimes I would have a Google Hangout bringing in an expert in something. We would have collaborative time, kind of ed camp style, where we'd share and collaborate and connect. And then I would, I kind of created this really lofty goal for myself that I would get to all 19 schools every two weeks, which wow. was impossible, kind of. Um, it wasn't ever perfect. And I told them that it wouldn't ever be perfect, but I kind of had to create, um, a way for me to be as equitable as I could be. Mm. And I knew that if I was going to truly support these teachers, I needed to know what learning looked like in those classrooms because I was a culinary teacher for my entire, you know, career. And so I, you know, how can I truly support 
a kinder, second grade, middle school teacher, if I really don't know what learning looks like in that classroom mm. and what they're facing. And so that's what I did. I just tried to keep a schedule where I would just go to schools. I would try to connect with the principal if I could, the media techs um, or teacher librarians. Our elementaries have media techs. Our, our uh, junior high and high schools have teacher librarians. And then go into those classes. And I would, it would be very, like, I was not evaluating. Like, that's sure. not, I'm a coach, really. Right. I'm not yeah. an evaluator. But it would just be, like, I would, I would just sit and watch. And then as I was watching what was happening, then, you know, all of a sudden, the ideas would start spinning. Like, oh, like, they, Flipgrid would be awesome in this situation. Mm -hmm. Or deck would be amazing here. Or, you know, whatever. And, um, and so, and I just, I built trust in relationships. Because I know that sometimes you have to go, you have to go slow to move fast, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to build those relationships and that um, credibility. And that was a lot of what last year was about, was really building a solid team. Um, I kind of went crazy, breakout EDU crazy, the second half of the year. Um, by kind of accident, my, my, I basically sold my boss on buying some breakout EDUs for yeah. our district. And so I did a breakout EDU at one of our innovation meetings in December. And I told them, I, I, I almost want to say I made the mistake of telling them, but it really wasn't a mistake. I said, if you want to do this, I will actually come to your classroom. I will set it up and come to your classroom and facilitate it. And I, people, you know, they, they wanted me to, and I did. And I ended up between January. And so what happened was when I did that, then, you know, it started yeah. Catching on yeah. in the schools and more people yeah. wanted to do it. Yeah. And so between January and June, I facilitated a hundred breakout EDU experiences. Wow. And it was like right around the hundred oh, experiences in our district. And but you know what I re started realizing, that's not what it was really about. It was really going into these classrooms um, and showing them what learning could look like. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you can go in and you can show a teacher, this is what learning looks like. This is what the four C's, creativity, communication, critical yeah. thinking, you know, collaboration looks like. And they see how their students are not only engaged, but immersed, empowered learners. Then they're like, oh, like I get it now. And now maybe I can do the mm -hmm. next breakout. Or maybe now I can bring in some other new innovative ideas because I know that this, this was really powerful. And, and then at the same time, it's building trust with, not only my innovation team, but other schools, other teachers within the schools. Yeah. And, um, and I would say, I, I actually need to find out the number, but I would say between 60 and 70% of our schools ended up buying breakout wow. um, boxes yeah. for their schools after that because they saw the power in it. So, um, so anyway, that was kind of, that was my foundational year last year. And what I really wanted to do this year was empower those spark starters to now do the PD themselves, like to be able to share in staff meetings, have PD held in their, in their um, buildings, have PD offered through the district. Mm. And so, and then I actually developed a second cohort of spark starters as well. And I decided to launch a game. So getting to your original question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it though. <laughs> Had to give a little background. Yeah, first. I love it. I love it. So, so basically what I decided is, you know, I can do the same framework really that I did in my classes um, by creating the storyline and, and bringing in these game mechanics. I can do the same framework for our team. It's yeah. like my class, right? Yeah. 
And so I um, had this theme, I, ca I'm, I call it the sailing the seas of innovation, kind of a play on this, the, the four C's. And I created this storyline, I created this promo trailer, this video that I, that I played on that first um, innovation team meeting day. And then I created all of these game mechanics um, within the game that Spark starters could earn. And they were all kind of uh, built around empowering them to connect and to share. Mm. And so there's different, like I will have, and I, cre and I created all of these opportunities, all these game mechanics within an app. I don't know if you've heard of Glide apps. Have you, mm -hmm. have you heard of it? Yeah. It's an amazing uh, web-based tool where it basically takes a Google spreadsheet and it imports it into Glide apps and sets this app that you can download on your phone. So all of my Spark starters have this app on their phone that has all of the embedded quests and missions in it. Um, mm. And I can keep updating it from my Google spreadsheet. It calculates all the points in my spreadsheet. And so it's keeping track of, they're collecting gold coins. It's keeping track of all of these gold coins. So it's, it's pretty cool. And I would say the, the hard part about it, the challenge for me, because the idea is super cool. And there are, I would say, about a third of the teachers who are in it to win it. <laughs> like they wow. are taking every quest. They are sharing stuff out on Twitter. They are like my power sparks and they are, they are sold. My uh, power sparks. Listen to you, man. Yeah. <laughs> they're awesome. They're getting Flipgrid badges. I mean, they're, they're wow. totally in it. They're, they're doing the PD, all of that. But um, it's difficult in that um, I don't see them every day, right? Like when yeah. you're in a classroom and you see how your students are engaging with the game, you can alter the game mechanics and you can bring in new game mechanics to make sure that you're reaching all of your learners. It's more difficult when you really don't have that everyday interaction and it's a little harder to sell. It's like the sell. So like I had a certain percentage of my spark starters that couldn't come to that first meeting because they had volleyball games that their kids were in or they yeah. had to home to, you know, they had kids at home. And so it's a little bit more of a challenge to bring those people on board uh, when, you know, the contact that I have with them is not um, as much. So so, it, so all of that to say, yes, definitely <laughs> you can gamify. And yes, yeah. I have gamified oh, cool. and I'm still learning. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of the things I, I like, and I think this is, um, so it sounds like you, that original cohort of Sparks, you still have. Yeah. And so this is the second year with them. It is. Correct? Yeah. And that it, that is also something I think for coaches and schools to be thinking about is that I, all too often what I, what we see and what I see is, you know, you get a cohort like that and they get one year and then we're like, but we need to spread this out equally. Mm -hmm. And so that cohort goes away and then you're basically starting all over right, and yeah. you don't get to really level up, which is what you're doing is continue yeah. with that same group and you can bring another cohort behind them. Right. Yeah. And that, that second cohorts, you're even doing different activities with that second cohort. Right. But that first cohort will always be your lead sparks. Yeah. Absolutely. Just because they're in year two, in year three, right. They're just at a different level of right. getting in, getting into this, right. Getting into the, the different way of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, it is. I, 
And I love that model that you put together with the, the, the sparks and having them building that trust is so important as a coach, as you know, as you've learned. Um, and then having the team that are in, in buildings working with, because how many schools did you say that you have? 19, 19, 19 K-12. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're the only one. I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So, and it's a huge yeah. job. So yeah. you need to have that team of teachers, the sparks that, um, that are in the building with the teachers every day um, and pushing forward. And I love the idea of, like Jeff was just saying, have a like building cohort after cohort after cohort, cohort and just building that, that you're kind of building capacity that way. With yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, and what I really found for the structure of my, um, my time with them this year, it's really working. I, I have, the, they meet from 4.30 to 6 uh, once a month and I really like kind of the ed camp style approach where usually to start the meeting, um, we'll have some type of like a challenge or something fun, like a team challenge, something to kind of bring us all together. And then I ask different spark starters each month to lead basically like ed camp style discussions mm-hmm. and on things that I know that I've seen, right. I've been in their classrooms. I see the things that they're doing. So I ask them, you know what, you are totally rocking it with, uh, we video or Flipgrid or Pear Deck or, yeah. you know, uh, flexible seating, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, will you lead a table discussion on that? And so then it's giving, it's, it's making them brave, right? Because yeah. it's, it's pushing them maybe out. Maybe it's something that they're a little bit uncomfortable with, but it's, it's giving them kind of, a, it's kind of, it feels kind of safe because mm-hmm. it's just a tabletop discussion. They don't have right. to create anything super formal. And then once they see, once they do it, and then people are responding to them and getting super excited about what they're sharing, then they're even more excited to share the next time. And so it's kind of like this, it's almost like this training, but it's also like this amazing time of sharing. And so at each, so from like five to five 30, I might have four or five different table discussions going on. And then at five 25, we switch and we bring in five more table discussions. Sometimes it's, you know, maybe four, three or four, it depends. Um, and then they can, you know, move if they want to go to one table for 15 minutes and then go to another table for 15 minutes, that's fine. But that way too, the spark starters that presented or the facilitated mm-hmm. that discussion are now getting to still getting a chance yeah. to learn still in that other, yeah, cool. um, that table. And that's worked really well. And, and I've actually, for my sec- my first cohort or my second cohort, I've asked my sparks to lead some table discussions for them too, to help connect, you know, both cohorts together. Yeah. We did, um, uh, Kim Cofino gets full credit for this, but when we were in Bangkok working together and I love this, I love that we're just sharing some ideas of ways that you can run these, run these, um, small cohorts of teachers as you're bringing them on board. But Kim came up with the thing she called speed geeking. That's mm. a, a little bit similar to what you were doing. But what we did is we, we would go and find the teachers that were doing good stuff in their classroom. Mm-hmm. And they were, then we set up like a speed dating, but we called it speed geeking. Yeah. So you only had five mm-hmm. minutes. And so again, oh. like you were saying, teachers didn't have to create anything, right? They yeah. just, they came, they sat at yeah. a table group and they would just show, this is what I'm doing in my classroom, or here's a fun project that I've done, or here's how I'm using classroom, or here's how I'm using Flipgrid, mm-hmm. or you know, name the yes. app or, or the situation that they've got set up in the classroom. But we set it up as a, as a speed dating thing, so you only had five minutes. So that cool. you, got, you went around mm-hmm. to like, we'd have, I don't know, five or six teachers that would present and do this idea of, so you had 
five minutes of six quick little things that oh, you, that like you learned that. about that other teachers yeah. were doing. And then after that, you could break in and say, well, I really am interested in Flipgrid. Oh, then, I love that. Then you That's get to cool. jump into that group with other people who are just interested in that topic. And then there are people like, oh, I want to hear more about how you set that project up. And they go back over to that teacher yeah. and spend another 20 or 30 minutes going deeper. Oh, but it's still, but it, yeah. was really, it was a really great way for teachers to see what were happening in other classrooms. Because no matter how you try, teachers don't get into each other's classrooms no. very hard. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I will put the, oh, I I'll like put the, that. I'm going to, I'm going to take that for my yeah. next meeting. Cause that will, it's speed geeking. It. It's so, it's so yeah. fun. People yeah. love it too. And you know, you set it up with a little bell, like it's speed dating and you can have yeah. all the directions right. on what you're yeah. allowed to ask and not <laughs> ask. And, um, but I will, I'll put a link in the show notes cause Kim, Kim wrote a blog post about it when she started it, uh, that like outlines exactly how we did it. But it's basically, if you think of speed dating, but only you're showing a, a thing in your, in your, so I'll put that in the yeah. show notes as well. But that, 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 that's what it reminded me of. I'm like, yeah, yeah. That, that works. You know, when you turn mm -hmm. it, I mean, what do we know? We know that in a classroom, when you turn the learning over to students, that's when you get full engagement. Yeah. And that's what we want. We want right. students, students to own that learning and that teaching. So to set up a professional development system with mm -hmm. your sparks to say, look, we're going to run these mini egg camps where you're going to, you need to lead. You need to be showing each other what you're doing in. Yeah. You no, know, I'm here to support, but you guys are really the ones leading this and you have to a be willing to share mm -hmm. B if you sign up for this cohort, that's part of what's required of you. Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and we all, we all rise, you know, hundred percent. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. Very cool. Well, I want to kind of transition a little bit because, um, two things. One, right before we started recording, uh, Tish and I were talking about feeling disconnected from your PLN a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am the same way feeling disconnected about from my PLN. I'm just not on Twitter. I'm not reading blogs and commenting like I, like I was. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I feel, I almost feel bad. Do you feel bad? Yeah. I mean, I do. If I don't feel like I'm connecting as much as I yeah. do, I absolutely do. Yeah. And nobody else cares, but me. Yeah, like that's exactly. what I. But yeah. I feel bad, you know. It's yeah, this is so. It's so like nobody else cares. Nobody knows I feel bad. <laughs> nobody cares, but I feel like I'm not connecting, even though yeah. nobody else is. So responsible. Um, I get it. I'm one of the things, and and both of you in your coaching roles, one of the things that I've been struggling with is how do you get teachers to understand the value of a PLN? Mm -hmm. Like I was just a one of the school districts I was working with this week. They, that was one of our things. It was like, how do you, one of the things we were talking about is setting up systems to feed yourself, right? And no yeah. matter how many different ways I try to explain <laughs> the power of a mm -hmm. PLN in this digital world, yeah. I never seem, I don't know, I never seem to be able to get people to, to understand like this is literally the best professional development you, right. can, yeah. you can create for yeah. yourself. And do you have any, do you have any ways that you help explain to teachers or try to get teachers to be, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think part of it is building that into my gamified structure. Um, that's part of the challenges were like getting on Twitter, sharing out with our, we, I have an IM 549 C hashtag that we use to share. Um, I created a Facebook group just for the safety of those who just aren't mm. quite there yet to share on Twitter that we could at least have a group where we could share, you know, within our, within mm -hmm. our sparks. 
Um, and then we also started a Voxer group, um, which I love for kind of um, ex expanding conversations that maybe you have on Twitter. Um, but it's still hard. Like, I created all of these things, but for people to buy in, um, I have some that totally have and are starting Twitter chats now and I, I'll see posting a lot and I have, uh, I have quite a few that aren't, aren't there yet. And so I think it is, it is a challenge and I, I have a graphic that I created my own graphic, but it was based on a graphic I saw a long time ago that has the, the five Twitter birds. Have you seen that? Where no, it's no. like the first Twitter bird is like, I don't get it. And the second Twitter bird is like, okay, I'm listening. And the third Twitter bird is like, oh, like now, you know, I'm hooked. And then by the fifth Twitter bird, like it's, this is my daily life. This yeah. is just part of who I am. And that's how I felt my journey was. I mean, I didn't get it when I first started. And yeah. now all of a sudden it's become a huge part of my life. And some of my literally closest friends are my best friend I met on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, we've gone family family vacations together. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. But it's that's the truth. But I think you're right. It's very, very difficult um, to to get that. It's hard for people to wrap their head around that yeah. idea. And I yeah. I, I kind of see the same thing. Um, you know, I've I do the same type of things that you do. I you know I in when I'm working with teachers, I talk about how I. Oh, I, I've learned so much through my PLN on Twitter or whatever the case is. Um, in trainings, I always mention it. And when we do a reflection at the end, I stole this idea from you, Jeff. Um, at the end, I always do a, a public reflection. So your mm. three Ps that you talked about, yeah. private, protected public. Um, and I have them post something with a hashtag on Twitter or whatever the case is. Um, but I think a lot of them, I've heard things like, like you said, I just don't get it or I don't have time. Um, so just, I think it goes, it's similar to a lot of the work that I do with teachers where they don't know what they don't know. And if they've never actually seen it or experienced it firsthand, it's, you, it's tough to, to explain like, this is literally the best learning experience I've ever had is through yeah. my PLN. Yeah. And maybe yeah. I just need to be more explicit about it. I mean, um, and I like that. I, you know, what's so funny is until you said that, Chris, I totally forgot about that three P protocol that I used to use. And yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't rem I don't think I came up with it. I probably stole it from somebody else. But the idea is, is at the end of a training, um, you do the, you have people reflect in three separate places and one is privately. So you reflect privately in your own private journal that only you see you, uh, reflect in a public what was, how, how do you say it? It's protected, public, protected, public protected. That's what it was. Public mm, protected yeah. place. So basically within our classroom, but somehow yeah. that you have to write it down, right? So it could be on a padlet or it could be in a flip grid or, sure. you know, it's protected within the group that was there that day. And then sure. the third, the third share is a, is a public, is a public share. I so getting that. people to kind of reflect in these different spaces and then being able to debrief of how do you, how do you write differently? I mean, those are three different genres yeah. of writing in today's world. I mean, every kid needs yeah. to know how to write in those three places. That's but, awesome. Yeah. You guys just plan my, my next meeting. I love it. Hey, that's what, <laughs> this is what, PN, this is what PLNs are for, do. right? Yeah. This is what they're, yeah. I totally forgot about that three P's, man. Yeah. See? Oh, I love it. I use it all the time. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Now here's the other thing you both, I know Chris, you've used Voxer groups as well. Yeah. I've yes. never yes. thought of using in, Teachers like it. It works for you. It, Chris, talk about how you've said it. I know you've had it. Uh, you've set it up in the past as well. So, 
Yeah. So actually, so Erin got me hooked on it. Erin Dickey got me hooked on it. She used Voxer quite a bit. Um, her book teaches. And then we got it going when we were doing the this awesome thing. But basically, Voxer is like, it, it's, it's a walkie-talkie, um, but you can also have text um, text conversations. And what what really like kind of sold me on it, what, what Aaron really liked about it was the fact that you could hear someone's voice mm-hmm. and it was a conversation, but you could get to it when you had a chance. Like mm-hmm. she would be receiving messages during class when she was teaching, but she would check it planned period or at lunch or stuff like that. And she would be able to respond when she had availability to, but it was just kind of an ongoing conversation about a specific topic or um, a question or whatever the case is. Um, So really kind of a neat way to get a group of teachers together and, and have a, have a conversation. Yeah. 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 I agree. I love Voxer and I, I like Voxer best when it's, smaller groups so I think Mm -hmm. I was introduced to Voxer first at like EdCamp Global or something like back maybe in I don't know it was probably like three or four years ago and it was big groups like around you know gathering around certain topics yeah Um, I find sometimes with really big groups you get lost or you just you feel like you're so behind in the conversation like you just can't catch up can't keep up and so I have a, a group that um there's five of us and we are all from, um, actually, there, there's five, it's five girls and five, it's, it's eight of us. There's five girls and three guys. We call ourselves the 53s. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and we're all kind of in the same space in that we are all connected educators. A lot of us are authors. Um, we are all, um, you know, working you know, in education in some realm and also like trying to balance this crazy world of blog writing and podcasting and, you know, writing and all of that. And so um, sometimes I think in our day-to-day life, maybe it's hard for people to understand, like to truly like where we are with, you know, being globally connected and some of the struggles that we face. But in that group, it's like a safe place to just share and to support each other and encourage each other. And we will check in. We're all over we actually, one of, one of them is in Canada. Um, there's, I, they're, we're all over the place. Yeah. And so all different time zones. And so I'll get up in the morning and there already be a stream of conversations starting. That it and happened, yeah. In, yeah. Work and, yeah. and we, we check in every single day. Um, and so we feel really mm-hmm. close because we're getting to hear each other's voices and, um, it's, it's really, so sometimes our conversations are about education. Sometimes it's about support but it's awesome. Yeah. So what, what so, do you think would be the difference between using something like Voxer and yeah. something that like the Marco Polo app that's video based? Do you think there would be a difference or, or I'm still finding, and this is just, I'm just interested in this because I still find that there are a lot of teachers who don't want to see themselves on video. So I'm wondering if just the audio of Voxer allows you to, you know, still be in bed answering mm-hmm. Voxers and not having to worry about exactly what you look like because nobody's going to yeah. see you. And I just wonder if that's enough of a privacy thing that makes Voxer. I don't know. I just wonder yeah. if there's anybody. Hmm. I, I haven't used I, Marco Polo. Go ahead. Were you, you going to say something, Chris? Oh, I was just going to say I, I, I did like the Voxer because of that, it was personal yeah. enough. I could hear people's voices, like Tisha was saying, like it's a conversation. You hear their voice, you yeah. kind of get to know who they are and that sort of thing. But but you can respond anytime, no matter what you look like, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. 
And you can put somebody on three times speed too, if you need to. If you need to really speed them <laughs> yeah. up, like, come on, get to the point. Yeah, yeah. Some, right. some people yeah. are like, you are a three speed person, you are yeah. a one speed person. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just, so, and, and this is what I love about all these different apps. Like I just thought about Marco Polo because in um, our real estate company, that's what we use all the time with our mm -hmm. contractors. So a lot of our, you know, we live in Seattle, but a lot of our renter rentals um, and our contractor live in Spokane, but our mm -hmm. contractor can walk through one of our properties that we've never been in on Marco Polo and we can watch it, rewatch it. We have conversations back and forth. Uh, mm -hmm. He can be in the hardware store saying, which one of the toilets do you want me to buy? Mm -hmm. and, and, but, it, but the video aspect allows us to have a, a different conversation, but that might, yeah. I'm just in my own head. I'm, you know, that works for that. Is Voxer something that creates more of a community feel in, in this idea of a protected public space um, where you have control over it? And, and I like the idea because you said, I've never, I've, I downloaded Voxer a couple of years ago. I'm going to be honest. I've never mm -hmm. used, I don't use mm -hmm. it. Um, but can you like share links and stuff in it then too? Because there is text yeah. so you can flip yeah. links in and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 text, audio, links, pictures. No pictures, so okay. yeah, yeah, it's great. And I think even for some people, even giving a voice audio is a stretch. Yeah. And I, I found that when I was using it in our school a couple years ago, I used it as kind of a way to connect on a book study because it actually right. is a great way to do a book study. That's a great idea. And I yeah, love that idea. yeah, That's you can, study. you can share out like a Canva image every day, you know, mm -hmm. a new question and people can respond asynchronously. And that's the beauty of it is it the asynchronous piece because mm. Um, everybody has different times when they can chat. Sometimes it's on a yeah. walk. Sometimes it's on the car ride. Yeah. Um, but, but I think what I found that there are some people who do not want to hear their voice, you know, yeah. and, and so they had a really difficult time with that. And I didn't think about that at first. Uh, I'm just so used to hearing my own voice. You know, I, I remember a time that I didn't like it. And I'm like, ah, it's not, I'm not getting away from it. So. Yeah, that's right. This is the way I sound. So <laughs> yeah. get over it. Yeah. 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 But yeah. yeah, everybody has a different comfort level. Yeah. What do you think yeah. like group size? You were saying too big a group you felt moved too fast. And you too, Chris, have you found like, is there a group yeah. size in that kind of stream? Because I, you know, it really is streamed conversation is really what yeah. it is. Is there, do you feel like there's a size, what size have you felt like, like you said, you're, you're comfortable with a group of eight. You feel like that that's working for you. Um, yeah. Bigger, smaller. Do you think that's about the right size? Are you asking me or are you asking either one of you? Okay, yeah. either. <laughs> I, I think it's a good size. I, okay. I would not want to go. I mean, it depends on how active people are in the conversation too. Yeah. Some people are more active than others, but I think I would say no more than 10 is, okay. is probably my ideal size. Okay. I think that's, yeah, that's about where I would probably land to a little more than that, you kind of get lost if, if everybody's active, right. but that's yeah. a big if, right? Sometimes yeah. people are just quote unquote lurking, you know, yeah. which is fine. Which um, is fine. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Um, so I, so speaking of trying to grow the PLN, trying to be more active in that, and we're talking about Voxer and Twitter and, you know, I started a, a Facebook group with Tyler Ablin, the East Cascades Innovative Educators group, and just trying to build groups of teachers innovative thinkers just to shop and bounce ideas and do cool things in education do you have one tisha or jeff that you like best um uh, twitter's kind of my go-to but it sometimes it can feel more impersonal than like the boxer or mm. that sort of it's just kind of i don't know do you have one that you prefer is it 
is it choose what the weapon that's best for this battle? Yeah, you know, Twitter is where I would probably say that I live most often. Um, I just got connected on LinkedIn, but I'm not really participating very actively. Um, Facebook is kind of a weird space for me because it was my personal space, and now it's kind of become like a lot of people in my PLN now are on there. And so it's this weird mix of like high school friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with Facebook, right? Like it's a little of this and a yeah. little of that. Yeah. It's not clearly defined yeah. anymore. And it's not, it's yeah. a little kind of awkward. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, I share something out and I'm like, I don't know who really wants to hear that, but yeah. uh, do, you, do you have, do you just have a, do you just have your own profile? Have you started a page yet for yourself? I do. I have a, a Make Learning Magical page that I try to keep, like if I write a blog or I share yeah. out a podcast, I'll put it there. Um, but then what really, I think how I'm using Facebook the most is I started a group for mm -hmm. gamifying family and consumer sciences. Yeah. Mm, cool. And that group is like up to about uh, close to 2000 now. And that has just been a really, um, a really neat space for teachers who are just, you know, trying new things in their classroom and it feels safe for them to share and a great like support community, um, an idea sharing community. And so of, you know, that yeah. is probably the aspect of Facebook that I've enjoyed the most is kind of building that community of educators. Um, but I think what I love about Twitter is that it really brings us out of our silos, you know, yeah. because for so long as a, as a culinary teacher, I'm like, ah, who's going to understand me? I give my students chefs. <laughs> like, no yeah. one gets me. And then when I started connecting on Twitter, I'm like, geez, like I can learn. People can share out an idea. Like a fifth grade teacher can share out an idea and I can be like, Oh my gosh, that's brilliant. I can bring that into my classroom this way. Yeah. So yeah. It, it really um, is this place that is, you know, you're being inspired by so many different perspectives and yeah. viewpoints and, and yeah. educators and from all over the place. The thing I'm always trying to tell teachers too is, is like, you have to remember for, I think you being a culinary teacher is a perfect example. You, and I don't know if you were, but in many schools, you're the only culinary teacher, yeah. right? And so yeah. you don't have a, you don't have a staff room where you get to go talk to five other culinary teachers and bounce ideas around. Right. But Twitter is that for so yeah. People. I mean, I've yeah. got some of the small school districts that I'm working with here. There's literally like one teacher that yeah. teaches science. And I'm like, Absolutely. how are you, how are you filling your cup? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, I go to a conference. <laughs> like that's not going to do it. You, you, you right. know, you mm -hmm. can be doing this every single day. Hashtag science chat is just, yeah. that's, that's it. You just need to know yeah. one spot yes. you know, and then make that a habit. You know, how yes. do you make, how do you start to make that yeah. a habit? So that PLN starts to work for you. That's, that's it. Yeah. It is key. Yeah. And I think too, it's like who, if you're on Twitter as an educator, you're a learner, right? Yeah. Like you don't go to Twitter to not learn. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. If you're right. an educator, right. if that's what you're in that space. Yeah. And so I think that that's the beauty of it is you're connecting with people who are passionate like you are yeah. and aren't going to be like sucking the joy out of education for you. They're going to be mm -hmm. filling your cup. Like yeah. you yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you're not, if they're not, block them or don't follow them yeah, anymore. Right. You know? yeah. <laughs> the other tool I'm interested in using that I think Chris might even help for you that I've, I've, I've used off and on um, mm -hmm. is Slack, 
which we use, you know, a lot of companies use Slack because of the opportunity to have different channels, which allows you to have different conversations. So we used it at Eduro Learning and loved it uh, because you could have so many different channels talking about stuff. We use it in our other business uh, to keep, you know, we've got one channel for all of our different properties. So you can constantly keep these, you know, their, their chat conversations is what they are, but they, you're allowed to put them in channels. Uh, so I'm even thinking, I'm, I'm just wondering, is there a way to, to use something like that as well? And the thing, again, the, the thing I love about all of these tools is these are tools that are used in the business world. Mm -hmm. It's not like we're yeah. trying to uh, make a tool do something which we're really good at in education. We're trying to force a tool <laughs> yeah. to do something in education that it was never meant to use. Right. Um, but I think, I think Slack's a pretty cool one too, and you get a lot of freedom with that with the free, you know, okay. as well. But, um, just more of that chat. I'm always looking for a chat. You know, yeah, yeah. Today's meets doesn't do it for me as far mm -hmm. as like using a chat program when I'm trying to show teachers back channel chatting or how you might use a chat yeah. in the classroom. And I can't find one that I like. Um, all the free good ones went away. So anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I haven't used Slack. I mean, I love Google Hangout for yeah. conversations, yeah, but kind of a conversation, yeah, but yeah. not, uh, yeah. Well, uh, as we wrap this up, I want to uh, talk a little bit about your book. How's the yeah. book doing? It's, it's amazing. It's kind of surreal, <laughs> to be honest. It's, I just feel so grateful that I've had the opportunity to be able to share my story. Yeah. And um, it's been really, it's humbling and really cool when I get to have conversations with other educators who have read it and maybe is taking, you know, able to maybe transform their classrooms or bring some of the ideas into their world. And um, I think the best stories for me is when I hear of an educator who was really at the brink of leaving the classroom mm -hmm. or leaving education and they read my book and they, you know, were rejuvenated or re-inspired. And that, those are the best stories. Cause I think like if, even if it, there was one teacher that I was able to um, help yeah. bring joy into their practice and help transform their classroom, like, that is a that's that's was worth it all right well, like that's why we're yeah. teachers right it's the yeah. same thing i have teachers all the time you know with all the professional development i do i've teachers all the time like don't you miss the kids and i'm like yeah of course i miss the kids but you need to understand you're my kids yeah and i just need to see yeah. at the end of the training day one of you has a sparkle in your eye and you're going to go <laughs> impact another 30 kids yeah. that's all i need that's what i need you know Absolutely. that that's it that's it for me as well so um, and I have to tell you, so, you probably don't know this, but at NCCE last year, uh, I was stalking you. I was sitting in the audience. I, I know. I saw you. <laughs> well, I, I know, know exactly you where you were. You were in the front <laughs> right-hand side. I totally did. I think I even said hi to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, was, I was stalking you the whole time. I was like, I got to just go yeah. learn. I got to go figure this out. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> But no, the book I was is, super excited to see yeah, that. The book is Make Learning Magical, uh, Transforming Your Teaching yeah. and, create, and Create Unforgettable. Um, experiences in the Classroom. Experiences yeah. in the Classroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And, and there's sure actually, I was on, yeah, uh, I was on Twitter this afternoon and I saw a video that was posted. Um, yeah. <laughs> A TED talk at ISTE 19 that you did about that. About I that? did. I Very did. Cool. I um. I was yeah. part of the TED Talk Masterclass Showcase last yeah. year. Awesome. And um, it was kind of one of those things that I, I had the opportunity to join, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna like, I would love to become a better speaker, and I've just always, you know, 
been always very intrigued with TED Talks and inspired by them. And so I thought this would be great. And so part of the masterclass is you, you create a TED Talk, right? Like yeah. that's your final thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I did, and then you submit it. Well, I did not in my wildest dreams think it was <laughs> at all. Like I did not think it was going to get accepted. And so when it did, it was just like this, it was like so... Like I was so excited and so flipping scared. I'm like, oh yeah. my gosh, because it just feels different, right? Like I've, I've presented sure. lots of sessions and stuff, yeah. but for some reason that just felt different. And mm -hmm. so it was such an honor um, to get to present at ISTE for the TED Talk. And it was super scary. Like I remember right yeah. before I was <laughs> back yeah. and forth. And, um, yeah. and I, oh, oh, it was it was amazing. You did great. Oh, well, thank you so much. So yeah, it just got yeah, really yeah. Yeah got released yesterday so oh very yeah. cool well, we'll make sure we put a link yeah. to it in the show notes as well but there is yeah. something about a ted talk i don't know what it is but yeah. you can be you you can be the you know a great presenter but somebody makes you do a ted talk and it's like a different <laughs> level right yeah. like you've got to, because you've seen so many of them you're like i i gotta know my i gotta know my stuff yeah like, you can't get away you can't get away with not knowing which right. i the, the process the thing I love is the process of going through preparing for a TED talk mm -hmm. is the same process we need to send kids through when we're making them do presentations in our classroom. Absolutely. Presentations in your classroom are not writing some bullet points on the slideshow <laughs> and then turning yeah. around and reading the bullet points. That's if, go watch yeah. any TED talk that doesn't happen in a TED no. talk. So if you're going to make kids present, go through the process because it yeah. is, it is such an inter introspective uh, yeah. scary, powerful, I think, process to go through. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. it was an incredible yeah. process. And that, if anybody gets a chance to go through the TED Talk yep. Masterclass yeah. twisty, I would totally recommend it. Yeah, very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was great. And it was great to hear your, the story, the book. And oh, I love the story about the, about the student that you had. That yeah. I'm not going to give it away, but it's yeah. awesome. Go watch yeah. the video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Tisha, thank you for taking some time with us today. And so many, I've got so many great ideas. This is what I love. I love yeah. when you get to talk with your PLN and uh, Tisha and I met for the first time at, uh, was it PDX? Inter it integrated. was integrated. integrated. Yeah. Integrated. At that dinner. Uh -huh. At that dinner. We sat, yeah. we happened to just sit across <laughs> the table from each other. And this, this entire conversation was was our dinner. Yeah, like we just I don't I don't think we ate. I think we just no. started chatting and it was insane. It was so awesome. It was so um, awesome. And yeah. I love it. Every time we get together, I'm just like, I need to ask, I need somebody to help me with some things. Yeah. <laughs> my PLN. So good. Oh, ditto. Um, I learned so much from yeah. you. Both. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Chris. As always, you appreciate bet. it thank for you. you as well. Um, thank you guys. Yes, thank you. It was truly yeah. an honor. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Udick. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit sospodcast.org, facebook.com slash Jeff Udick, and on Twitter at judick. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Shifting Our Schools.